0: Ready, I don't you know every now and then things on your phone will reset. And last week, right about as Brent was about to step up to the pulpit, I I hit the same button every week that records. You have to hit it and then it pops up and then you have to hit a red button. Well when it popped up, the first button it said, You need to log in. I thought, I don't have a login. (laughs) James logged on my phone the last time and I said, That's been a year ago. So uh, he wasn't here and I texted him and Five minutes later or something, he texted back, Dak, and I was like, "Well, that's all well and good, but Brent had already been talking. I didn't want to say, Brent, can you just start it all over again here? Just, to, no, 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 you can do better. Do it again. So, um, but I do think, uh, I, I think we've got. Uh, he, he got me loaded up, so we was, we was ready to go after that. But uh, but yeah, yeah. Last uh, Sunday morning, if uh, if you're looking for that, Kevin, if, you're, if y'all are out riding around looking for that one, it ain't gonna be there. So. Uh, um, Happy that everybody's here with us uh, this morning. Anybody have anything to announce before we begin?
1: Just tell us about Eugene for
0: dying. Uh, you, you just you just you know more than me, so. Uh, he, uh,
1: he died. At, he he died a whole Well, he was in the nursing home. He's He's in the nursing home by the last month. He had a that couple of brain weeds, and they put him in the nursing home. And I've not seen anything on the thing yet. So, he do not really have anybody but George. No. And he has a sister in the and Orchard. Uh, but anyway, he's, I think he's 83. And the uh, last time I saw him, I gave him one of those Bibles, those big Bibles, and he was so happy he did it. And just as it continued, it worked. But anyway, keep George in your prayers. Was man that It came a few times, here, yeah. And, uh, nice little, not very nice little man, but it just got it's terrible. Been Eugene Leffler, they live in Shaneville up here.
0: Any other announcements? Well, yeah, he's, he's getting a little better. He's, uh, Who's the who? Danny McKinnon.
2: Uh-huh. he been sick and he got COVID and uh, he kind of had a rough week, but he's, uh, he's starting to feel a little better. I kind of look for him to be back at the stores
0: coming week. Okay. Nothing
2: on happen.
0: Some of you in Lancaster, from over Lancaster would know Bill Carrier, uh, he was 71. Uh, he was uh, his... his um, I teach with his stepson, but I went all through school with his uh, stepson Brandon, and then his nephew Nathan was one of my best friends, really, from the day we started going to school. But he was 71. He had had cancer uh, and was just—he was in really bad shape the last couple of months. Brandon had told me um, a week or a couple weeks ago that he had almost just couldn't even hardly move. He was just in such bad shape. But he was 71 years old, and there his uh, visitation is this afternoon. So. Oh, What was their? It was. I can't remember.
1: Your daddy worked at Coffee Wholesale
0: for years. I mean, no, like, they I lived mean, out in mean, Buckeye I mean, Road, I mean, Road I mean, up there. I, remember, I, remember, I, remember. I can't remember, but he. There was four of them: uh, Woody and Kurt and Jerry and Bill. So, uh, but I can't remember. Can't remember. The, I can't remember Granny's Granny's name. So. Uh huh. Yes. Yeah. Anything else? Ricky Burkhardt died too. Uh, he was 70. He he pulled vehicles around. Now he, he had a record uh-huh. in Lancaster. He was always a John Smith restaurant. Real nice guy. Uh, no, I don't know what killed He had really bad heart from 15
1: years ago. But he died. Ricky Burkhardt. Ricky Burkhardt was a toll guy. Yeah, he told everybody in Gary County several times guy. Mm-hmm. Anything else, Linda?
0: Mm-hmm. Anybody here from Leland? Because he had to go to the doctor, was it Thursday? I don't know. He may be, he may be here for church. He may be sitting for two hours, maybe hard, may hard to do. Well, I appreciate everybody that's being here with us. Josh, I'm glad you was able to get back with us. He's been out west. Uh, here in uh, the last uh, couple of days and Brent is uh, supposed to be with us tonight I think uh, we had some confusion last week but it's all working out good so uh, because of all that I'm uh, teaching uh, and preaching so uh, I guess I should p- apologize first and uh, hopefully uh, you know if you don't like the you know if you don't like the first one I guess you could leave so uh, so that'll be that'll be fine and so um, yes
1: we need to keep going
0: Uh, just not just, just keep her
1: in practice so she, she's struggling and, and getting seemed like a lot worse pretty quick uh, so it's pretty sad some of the things that she's uh, not remembered it's really quite sad so uh, it's a tough situation for Jenny Deal because she's it's just, she's, not she's not well at all
0: well we're going to continue with our series of lessons so if you've got your, almost, I almost say textbooks every time. It's just habits that are hard to, hard to break, you know. If you've got your book there with you, we are going to be looking at the fifth book of the Old Testament, the fifth book of the Bible, the fifth book of the Torah, the fifth book of the Pentateuch, the fifth book of Moses, however you want to call it. It's a fifth book. I don't know if you get any, you know, you get awards awards for gold and silver and bronze. I don't know if the fifth one uh, gets any kind of award or not, but this is the fifth book of the Bible. And today we're going to be talking about the book of Deuteronomy, but more specifically, we're going to be talking about the death of Moses. And that's going to be our lesson uh, here. As we've said, we've tried to take a lesson from each one of those. Now, the word Deuteronomy seems like an odd word. I remember uh, when we were little, this was the one that seemed kind of kind of strange. And I jokingly said last time, y'all all have to be able to spell it. Uh, it's a Greek word, or a combination, I guess, of two Greek words, and it means second law. Okay, and so this is the sort of the second giving of the law uh, here, and so this term uh, is used for that. Now, this is not a term that would be used uh, in the Hebrew language; they wouldn't use the word. Uh, they used the, the Hebrew term, which I had and did not write down, which would uh, not, it'd be good if I could be able to tell you, but I didn't, I didn't write down. But uh, a lot of times when we hear, you know, these are translated works. And so the titles that we use, uh, you know, we speak English, which is a Germanic language, and it's a total opposite of what Hebrew is. And uh, in fact, it's so different that whenever you write, you write from left to right, and in Hebrew, you write from right to left. Uh, there are some languages that do that. Arabic is a language that, that does that as well. I'll tell you this story I may have told you before. When I was in college, I was in, um, of course, you got a history degree. You had to get a lot of different uh, areas. And one of the areas that we, I had, we had to take class in was Arab history. And uh, our teacher was uh, was really smart, probably three-fourths crazy, but really smart. And he was like, he was an, an Arab scholar, basically. And uh, if you, he would be on TV sometimes and all that. And he would turn, he just turned and talked the whole time with his back to us. And so you just had to absorb what he was saying. But he would write on the board, and as he he would just work his way all the way across the board, and then he'd get to going, and then he'd start writing in Arabic, and he'd start working his way back in Arabic. And we just all look at each other like, don't have a clue, don't have a clue. And so there was about, I don't know, there was 10 or 12 of us, there wasn't many, and we was all just kind of holding on for dear life. I got a B, and I was so tickled. I have never never been happier in my life, than when I when I got that. But language translation, it does leave something to sort of be desired. And when you're using, you know, if you're translating from English to German or to French or to Spanish, it's a little easier. When you're translating to Greek or to Roman, or not to Roman, to Greek or to Arabic or Aramaic, if you want to go all the way back, a little bit different. So the The word uh, Deuteronomy means second law. It's the fifth book in the Old Testament, as we said. Uh, The author here is Moses, but of course, Moses dies at the end of the book. So there's there's some tidying up of this story uh, that that would have to be taking place. And this is, it's still roughly the same time period. All of these first five books uh, have all been sort of written down at roughly uh, the same time. Uh, It covers about a 50-year period uh, and the Mosaic laws, of course, Mosaic Moses, uh, which applied until shortly after the death of Christ when the temple was destroyed in uh, 70 AD. So these laws that you see, if you go through and read all of Deuteronomy, you're going to see laws that were handed down to the Jewish people. And we see that often in the New Testament. And in fact, we're going to talk in the sermon, at least partly today, about people who were sort of tethered to that old law. Uh, and, and that was the law that Moses had, uh, had presented here. And so when Christ dies, that law goes to the cross with him. But uh, a lot of those people uh, were not quite prepared to, to sort of give that up. It was his tradition as much as anything. Uh, again, this is the fifth book out of 39 in the Old Testament. Now, it contains the death of Moses and a repeat of the Ten Commandments first found in Exodus chapter twenty. Uh, You can find those in the book of Deuteronomy as well. I guess there's uh, only one famous story here, the death of Moses, and a couple of verses there. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices their son or daughter into the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft. We talked about law, and these are examples of those laws that sort of are put forth. And people were really... um, really efforted to stay on the good side uh, of the law. Uh, the last thing says that since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. And so for Moses is, if you're going to rank the Jewish people of all time, Moses would rank really high on the list. Uh, unfortunately, like we talked about last week, and we'll see it again this week, uh, Moses was not perfect. He was not infallible. Moses made mistakes. Moses made a mistake last Wednesday night out of frustration when he struck the rock. Um, He was aggravated with the people that were following, I guess theoretically following him, but really they were following God, but he couldn't understand why they just refused to to sort of do right. But God was well aware of that. And we're going to see that at the end of our class today. Uh, the The last chapter of Moses or excuse me, last chapter of Deuteronomy, God will pretty much say, I know how these people are always going to act. They, they will always act this way. A couple of things here. Uh, you can see there it contains a repeat of all the Mosaic laws, plus the death of Moses. Uh, it's the only one that records Moses' death. The children who had left Egypt were adults when Deuteronomy was written. They were quite ready to battle for the promised land. You'll remember the, the last time uh, they went to the promised land, or they, they sent the spies into the promised land. And what didn't ten of the twelve spies say when they went and looked around? Said, said they couldn't do it. They, 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 the, the people are just giants. They're too big. They're too, they're too tall. Can't do anything with. It. But two of them said yes. And who were the two? Joshua, Joshua and Caleb. And in fact, we saw last uh, Wednesday night that Joshua will sort of inherit the mantle of leader um, from from Moses. Good morning. Sorry. No, you're fine. You're fine. Oh, you're fine. You're
1: fine. Good. I like that verse 3410 uh, that you showed in the preceding slide. The Lord knew Moses face to face. I think that is uh, no wonder the Jewish people held him in high. So sure. he had actually talked to God face to face.
0: Of course, he did not see God. But that is, uh, I think, uh, that is has always resonated with me. Uh, wouldn't it be nice if we had that relationship with God that we, we right, if, if
1: we I know we can't
0: but that we could actually face the face. Absolutely, A- absolutely, and we talked. We actually I showed you the little uh, map the other night that showed how they set the tabernacle up and the, the God dwelled within the tabernacle. And there was an exact, you know, when we go camp, this you, you're these three are here and these three are here and here and here. They was it was designed. They were taking God with them, uh, as it, uh, as it were. All right. So, uh, and then, uh, the, the last couple of, uh, the last couple chapters here describe Moses' final blessing on the children of Israel, as well as his death, uh, which obviously would have been written, uh, in, which would have been written, uh, by someone else, uh, to sort of tidy up the last of the book. So let's go to, we're going to be all over the book of Deuteronomy uh to start with we're going to be in ver- uh, chapter one we're going to be in chapter three and then we're going to be at the end in 31 2 and 4 and hopefully we'll be able to get uh all of this done but let's start with the very first five verses of the book of uh deuteronomy uh, boo you want that one Okay, now I stopped right there, but I wanted us to see right here from the get-go that the the, the word Deuteronomy, second law, um, this is Moses. He sort of starts off by just, he he then will explain the entirety of the law, right? So the first five verses here kind of does, you know, they went through all these places, they've been all these areas, they fought these battles, whatever it might be. And then starting in verse six, he's going to lay that law uh, sort of out uh, there for the people. So just... Wanted as much as anything for you to see right there from the get go. Uh, what, what Moses' effort here was to do. So let's turn over uh, to chapter three now. And again, we're going to go through these um, know, reasonably quick. So, uh, but anytime you've got questions, go ahead and ask them. Otherwise, we'll and I'll stop you as well. Uh, James, do you want to do? And, and the, I think everything is going to be on the screen. But some of these are a little bit smaller because it's a little bit larger uh, reading. So if you want to read it from the screen, you're welcome to. Or if you want to go from your own Bible, you're welcome to as well. James, if you care to do Deuteronomy 3, 23 to 29. Then I pleaded with
1: the Lord at that time, saying, O Lord God, you have begun to show your servant your greatness and your mighty hand. For that God is there in heaven or on earth who can do anything like your works and your mighty deeds pray, let
3: me cross over and see the good land beyond the
0: Jordan, those pleasant mountains and Lebanon. Okay, I'm going to stop him right there for just a second. Now, you'll remember that last time we talked about how Moses had struck the, uh, had struck the rock, and look what we brought, or what I brought here um, <coughs> to you, and his punishment was that he wouldn't be allowed to do what? Enter the promise. He wouldn't be allowed to enter the promised land. Well, if he had died the next minute, then that wouldn't have mattered, you know. He'd have, if he'd have fell over dead right then, well, I, I missed it. But the problem was that all these people that he was leading were going to get to go somewhere that he wasn't. You know, I remember about years ago when we took an eighth when I was teaching eighth grade. We took a trip to New York City, and when we got to New York, that you know our bus driver he would he would take the students over to here and over to here, but the bus driver never went. He never got. He never went in. He would park the bus and he'd sit on the bus and. You two hours, and then you'd come back. And I'm sort of thinking, like he's, he's he's in all these really awesome places in New York, but he's not getting to go in. Well, he he did that trip all the time, so he really didn't need to. But imagine if you're Moses, you're sort of driving a bus for these people now, but you don't actually get to go in. And we see that there. What does he say uh, in verse 25? What was Moses' prayer to God? He said, I want to cross over and see the good land. pray to let me cross over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, those pleasant mountains and Lebanon. So what he's saying is, I just really, you know, I, I, I've come this far. I pray that you would let me go. And, and now most of us would probably respond to Moses how in this situation. Hey, go ahead. Yeah, most of you know, but it's, it's kind of like when you say, well, we're going you know, sometimes you fuss with your kids. We're not gonna do this. Well, you're, you're just hoping that they try to act right and good, because we want to do this, all right? But in that situation, we might look at Moses. You know, if we were God, if we were the one, we'd say, "Go ahead, go ahead." You know, you you know, we we, we weighed balance, and you you know, you've done a lot more for than against. How does God respond? James, in the last three verses or four verses. Okay.
1: Sky, mm-hmm. And lift your eyes toward the west, the north, the south, the east. Behold it with your eyes, for you shall not cross over this Jordan, but man Joshua, and encourage him, and strengthen him, he shall go over before this, before this people. And he shall cross, cause them to inherit the land which you will see. So we stay in the valley, opposite Bethphor.
0: Mm-hmm. Bethpor. So how does Moses, or excuse me, how does God respond to Moses in his prayer? Verse 26, but the Lord was what? Was angry. And he said, and he was angry with, he said, he he was angry with Moses and then, and would not what? Would not listen listen to it. And so the Lord said to Moses, what? what? Enough of that. Speak no more of it. anybody ever said a word similar to that? Absolutely. anybody ever had some uh, a parent or somebody tell that to us? When they say enough of that, what's what's it mean? I don't want to hear no more. We all want to hear no more. All right. Now, I think it would be fair to argue that Moses had a reasonable request, right? But are God's ways the same ways as ours? Because God is setting the standard right here in this story. What is he saying to Moses, the greatest of the greats, right here? Disobedience will be punished. Disobedience will be punished. That kind of disobedience can keep you out of the promised land. Now, in Christianity, after after Jesus comes and goes, we have the opportunity to we can make mistakes and get forgiveness for them. The Jewish people really couldn't get perfect forgiveness, could they? What could they get? They could get their sins rolled forward and push it further They procrastinate their sins as it were. Push it further and further away. But it never really got fixed. And so we have to realize that in many cases we're like Moses. And that we make mistakes along the way. We ask forgiveness along the way. (laughs) But then Christianity... Provides us, Jesus' death provides us an opportunity to be with, to have his blood cleanse or cover those sins that we make. Now, Moses said, or excuse me, the Lord said to Moses, I, enough of this, speak no more of me to this matter. But then he immediately tells him, what does he need to do? What's Moses' job here? Train, Joshua. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah to, he's going to take Joshua and show him what he is going to do so. Even though Moses does not get to go to the promised land, is it all over? Is, is Moses's task done? It's not at all. There's still work for Moses uh, to to do there along the way. To train Joshua, command Joshua. It also says to do what else in verse 28? Command Joshua, encourage him and strengthen him. But he also got Yes. Yes. Now there was a sense mm-hmm. of fulfillment for Moses. And Moses was not going to be forgotten for God. No. He just was, he was not going to be left in the promise that he had done what God needed him to do. He got them to the point they needed to be. Now Joshua was given up his detention with the promise. Correct. And God would still be with them. And he would say, Moses will be in heaven. For I think so. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know,
3: Hinder
0: you from your heavenly reward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I hear that. I, I, that's extremely well put, Josh. Other thoughts on this? Now, we're going to skip ahead to verse 31 because that's where, you know, when we look, the, the last thing that James read, he's telling Moses to take Joshua. So, verse 31 is kind of where we start to see uh, what happened. Not verse 31, chapter 31. I'm sorry chapter 31 is where we're going to see sort of the charge that's put to Moses and to Joshua. So Deuteronomy chapter 31 verses 14 and 15, 14 and 15. And do you care to do verses 14 and 15?
2: Moses and Joshua went and presented himself
0: to the tabernacle of the congregation. And the Lord appeared in the tabernacle and in the filler of the cloud. The filler of the cloud stood open the door of the tabernacle. Alright. So at the start of verse 14, my Bible says, prediction of Israel's, and it starts with an R. Anybody know what's the yours say it? Rebellion, okay? What does the word rebellion mean? Go to go against. Very good. You're rebelling, you're going against. And the world is full of rebellion from the beginning of time till the whenever the end of time is. There's rebellion today. There was rebellion a hundred years ago. There was rebellion five, I don't know how many thousands of years ago this would be. Rebel would be to go against. Now, it says here at the, uh, at the top here, prediction of Israel's rebellion. So who's going to rebel here? Who is Israel? The of God. Yeah, the children of God. Well, the first thought would maybe be, why on earth would the children of God rebel? But if you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Because pretty much what did they do the whole trip from Egypt to Canaan? They rebelled constantly, and they were they were being brought into the promised land. They were being led to, and they were constantly rebelling and going against. And now God is going to say to them right here, well, even though we're here, they're still going to rebel. They're still going to fuss. They're still going to complain. They're going to get. They're going to, Their interest is going to be drifting over to other things along the way as well. Any lessons for us in those first two verses?
1: Well, we should rebel against God, Right. That's for sure. We uh, uh, we we've been forewarned. We've seen the Bible is full of rebellion, like you said, of, of God's people, and it always results in bad situations. Right. And so we uh, we really should not rebel against our parents. Uh, parents, <clears throat> I think now of the time have your best interest at heart. Uh, you should try to follow what your parents say. You should not rebel against your school teachers. You know, the teachers are there to help you. Uh, the police men So we can rebel if we want your whole
0: life, but it's going to make your life much more difficult. Okay. So I think what, we'll, what we're going to see here then is some examples of how God tells that these people are going to rebel. And we'll see that here uh, in verses 16 through 21. Uh, Kevin, do you care to read 16 through 21, sir? And the Lord said to Moses,
2: Behold, you will rest with your fathers, and this people will rise and play the harlot with the gods of the foreigners of the land. For they go to be among them, and they will forsake me, and break my covenant, which I have made with them. Then my anger shall be aroused against them in that day, and I will forsake them, and I will hide my face from them, and they shall be devoured. And many evils and troubles shall befall them, so that they will say in that day, Have not these evils come upon us, because our God is not among us? And I will surely hide my face in that day, because of all the evil which they have done, and that they have turned to other gods.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, my bad.
2: (laughs) Now, therefore, write down this psalm for yourselves and teach it to the children of Israel. Put it in their mouths that this psalm may be a witness for me against the children of Israel. When I have brought them to the land, flowing with milk and honey, of which I swore to their fathers, and they have eaten and filled themselves and grown fat, then they will turn to other gods and serve them they will provoke me and break my covenant. Then it shall be when many evils and troubles have come upon them that this sign will testify against them as a witness. For it will not be forgotten in the mouths of their descendants. For I know the inclination of their behavior today, even before I have brought them to the land of
0: which I swore to give them. Okay, so we can kind of go back and forth uh, here just a little bit. Thank you, Kevin. So, what did God anticipate that the people would do?
1: They would to other gods.
0: They would. It says that they would turn uh, to 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 other gods. They would forget what. They,
1: forget God.
0: they would forget God. In verse sixteen. Uh, Behold, you will rest with your fathers and this people will rise and play the harlot with the gods of the foreigners of the land where they go to be among them and they will forsake me and then do what and break what? Break my covenant, which I have made with them. And so he knows what these people are going to do. Now, why might the children of Israel be so inclined or so likely to drift to other gods? First thing they will do
1: is they will like, drive out the gods, the people that like they're supposed to. God tells them when they go in, drive these people out and get rid of all semblance of that that other idolatry. Uh-huh. And they, that's the first thing they will do. They will intermarry with those people and then they will accept those gods. Okay. That's the, God
3: knows that. One, two, three, right there. <laughs> Josh. I just I was gonna say I find it interesting that. During this time period, God actually speaks to heads of households. He actually speaks to people, and here you have Him you know, talking to them. They know what He's capable of. They know oh, they know He's the true living God. No other gods. Right. They choose to follow other gods. They choose to reveal. And I think for us, we can learn from that. Is if you just live everyday life, you live to the best of your ability, you don't never sin or anything, you can see the example of Jesus, you're still going to have heartaches in this life. Mm-hmm. But they they brought more heartache on them than what they could have ever had. And they, it, it just, it just blows my mind that I guess Bruce, we suck. <laughs> <that. laughs>
0: we do. You're, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. And, and even today, you know, God does not travel around in the tabernacle moving with the camp as we go, but how do we have. God how does God speak to us today? Through his word. But do we do people today, us included, do we break that covenant with him? Do we, you know, go against what God's teachings are? Yes. We do. We do. I mean and, and it's really easy to point. You know, it's really easy to point. Well, they had it they had him with them. You know, but, but we do not You know, we how many Bibles do we have at home, you know, or in the in the pew or in you know, we all have this kind of stuff. We have him with us all the time, but we still break the rules. I've heard it said before, boy, if God would come and talk to us directly today, we'd have it so much better. I'm thinking, I <laughs> would oh, uh, He talked to people directly before, and he still did You're exactly right. You're, you know, you're, that's, I, they couldn't be, you couldn't be any more right on that. Let's go to verse 17 right here. Who does God say that the people would blame for their trouble in verse 17? Yeah, they blame him. At the end of verse 17, uh, he says, so that they will, all these troubles are gonna hit on them and the evils and troubles shall befall them so that they will say in that day, have not these evils came upon, come upon us because our God is not among us. So he's saying they're gonna have all these issues they're gonna say, well, if only God was with us. Well, is there any evidence that God being with them was gonna have them behave the way they should not really, 40 years worth of not really doing what was told. But they are he said they're going to pass the blame on. People still do that, right? Jesus
1: told the, the same people, except just a few generations later, he told the same people you still think and uncircumcised and of here. You do always resist God. You resisted him back in this day and you resisted him in the days when Jesus is standing right there with us. Uh, and we still are resisting people. as
0: a general. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's go further, just a little bit further here. uh, Verses 22 and 3. Um, Cindy, do you care to read verses 22 and 23 here? Thank you very much. Now, last week we talked about the Levites. And what role was the tribe of Levi for the children of Israel? What role did they play? Who were they? They were in charge of the tabernacle. Very good. And it was declared that that's where the priests would come from. A couple weeks ago we talked about uh, requirements for being a priest. Uh, and, and all of that So we're going to see the Levites come in here uh, In this next few verses 24 through 29 We're going to be talking about the Ark Here, what are we talking about when we talk about the Ark What's the Ark of the Covenant What was what was the Ark of the Covenant That's what i It was Kind of like a big trunk to me yeah, That's what <laughs> I think what of you know, Uh huh
1: Yes. And so, Josh said the things that have, including the books of the law, mm-hmm. would be put in there. That's symbolic of where God is, and that would be in the most holy place behind the curtain, you know, the, the
0: curtain, and uh, the high priest could go in there once a year and make intercession for the people. Do you think it was a physical? Thing. Sure, it was. And I think that's an important thing. It was. It was a, a physical. I don't know what size it was or anything like that. But I, my tendency is to think about like big travel trunk or something like that. They weren't allowed to touch it. Remember they. Had, Area. Uh they were able to, you know, they would move it when they would move the, uh, you know, move the tabernacle uh, or, or whatever. But they're going to put something here in these verses, they're going to put something into uh, the, uh, the the covenant. Do you think
1: that's
3: why they weren't allowed to touch it, because it represented God, just like you can't see God? Yes. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I didn't know if it ever stated why they couldn't, I just kind of.
0: So let's look at we gotta go kind of quick here on this. Let's look at verses twenty-four then through twenty-nine. Lucille, do you care to read twenty-four through twenty-nine, please, ma'am? And it came to pass when Moses
2: had made an end of writing the words of this law in the book, until they were finished. That Moses commanded the Levites which bear the ark of the covenant, and the Lord saying, Take this book of the law and put it in the side of the ark the covenant of the Lord your God, that it may be there for a witness against thee. For I of thy rebellion, and thy stiff neck. Behold, while I am yet alive in you this day, ye have been rebellious against the Lord, and how much more after my death. Gather unto me all the elders of your tribes, and your officers, that I may speak these words in their ears, and call heaven and earth to report against them. For I know that after my death you will
0: utterly corrupt yourselves and turn aside from the way which I have commanded you, and evil will befall you in the latter days, because you will do evil in the sight of the Lord, for provoke you to hang through the work of your hands. Alright. So what's, they, 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 they put this they put the, the law here into the heart. And the whole purpose of it was for what? What did they put it there? Well that's
1: the safest
0: way to say it possible Okay. Sure. Absolutely. Of what? Of her, her Absolutely. And so it serves as sort of a witness to their failures, to their, re- their rebellion, their failure to appreciate what God had done for them. And they going to bring that with them the whole time. It's always going to be there when they are when they are bringing, when they're moving the ark, you know, it's always going to be right there. How you did wrong. You know, sometimes we do wrong and we have a tendency to forget it. But then we see something and it's sort of Oh, I remember that. I think about things I did when I was a teenager. Uh, you know, I, you know, something that you hear, hear a song or you see somebody and think, like, oh we should I uh, you know, those, kind of, those memories that you sort of put behind. And that's, in a way, that's what this was going to be. It's like, oh, we made a mistake. We, we rebelled uh, against God. Let's move over to chapter 32, verses 48 through 52. We're going to finish here with the death of Moses. So 48 through 52. Uh, Linda, do you care to read that one, please? Moab Moab, across from Jericho, be the land of Tana which I give to the
1: children of Israel as a possession, and die on the mountain which you ascend, and be gathered to your people just as Aaron your brother died on that Lord and was gathered to his people. Because you trespass against me among the children of Israel
3: at the waters of Meribah Kadesh.
0: Thank you. So Moses is permitted to go up onto Mount Nebo and see the Canaan land, but he's not allowed uh, to go. In verse 51, we see that uh, the sin of Moses described says you trespassed against me among the children of Israel. You sinned against me. If you want to use that word instead of trespass there, you did not you did not hallow God in the in the midst of the children of Israel. So two sins there that hurt. Moses, they sinned against God and he didn't hallow God or he didn't hold God in respect amongst the children of Israel. Are those sins in our world today? Would, would God view us as sinners if we did those things? Or I guess if we failed to do it, I don't want to interpret uh, that. If we sinned against God, is that, a, is that a strike against us? Certainly so. If we don't hold God as reverent, as high, as holy, as more, better than anything else... Are we sinning? I right. think so. I think so. I, I think
3: you can see an example of us in that today. God has given us a picture of heaven and what it looks like. And we can see it through his word to the best he describe it. And if we mess up like Moses, then we can see it, but we'll never get to
0: go there. Right. Absolutely. Right. Let's go to the very end of the book. Verse 30, chapter 34. And this is the death of Moses. And follow along with me here. Verses... Just kidding. <laughs> you have to follow along with me here because uh, there's nothing else. Chapter 34, and we're going to read verses 1 through 8. Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo to the top of Pisgah, which is across from Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead as far as Dan. All Naphtali and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, and all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the south and the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land of which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have caused you to see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in the valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor, but no one knows his grave to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses ended. You know, often I've heard people say in the Bible that perhaps the saddest words in the Bible were that Adam lived 930 years and then he what? He died because he didn't have to. I think verse seven of chapter 34 is a really tough verse because it says, Moses, it tells his age, and it says, when he died, his eyes were not dim nor his natural vigor diminished. There was no reason for Moses to die. He was in, he was in good health. Moses was in uh, a good, healthy position. But because the people were going in and he was not allowed to go, really his only option was that he had to die. What caused Moses' death? Sin. Sin. Why do people die today? Not, the it's not necessarily the sins that we commit. But the sin that exists in the world causes people to die. Causes tragedies to happen. Causes illnesses to strike people. Things that we, that we say, why does this happen? Now God said that the people would fuss later and say, it's because God's not with us. People still make those same fusses today. My relative dies because of illness. Somebody I know that I work with has cancer. You know, this the, our home burned down, or whatever. And well, you know, God, why would you let this happen? That same thing still happens here. Moses didn't have to die, but for a brief moment, Moses ranked himself with God. Moses got frustrated with the people, and he had to suffer consequences down the line for it. And really, verse seven didn't need to ever happen at all. Let's finish up nine through twelve. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the children of Israel heeded him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. But since then there is not arisen in Israel prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face in all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt before Pharaoh, before all his servants, and in all his land, and by all that mighty power and all the great terror which Moses performed in the sight of all Israel. Moses' death brings an end to a part of the Bible. With Moses' death, you sort of ended this Israelites in Egypt, you know, this, this being, you know, controlled by Pharaoh. But it also brings about, there, there's nobody as good as Moses that's ever going to come back again with the prophets and all of that that we see there in the Old Testament. So there was no more prophets that came that were as good as him. So when Jesus will come later, a lot of people will compare Jesus to some of those other prophets, right? And they'll look at some of those Old Testament prophets, but they'll also remember that those Old Testament prophets were never good as, as good as, as Moses, right? They're the ones that we see later on. And then those questions will arise for Jesus as well. Why should we believe this guy? You know, we've had a lot of prophets that came and said this was going to happen or that was going to happen, and it and caused people not to believe Christ as well. And so Moses' death is a significant stopping point or a turning point, whatever, however, whatever kind of point you want it to be, for sort of biblical history and the Jewish people as well. Any thoughts, comments, questions?